This song's new in force. Um, it's uh, it's called Psalm 84, or um, it's called I'm Home. Um, there's a group called Shane and Shane. They have a a whole album of songs based off the Psalms, and I've really, really enjoyed that um, that CD. Um, each song is based off a different Psalm, and we do Psalm 23 in the, in the choir. Um, but I remember, I think it was Jason in Sunday school. Uh, one week, um, did a lesson on Psalm 84, and we went through each verse, and he brought out a lot of good stuff, and I had heard this song before that lesson, but after that lesson, the words of the song just took on a whole new meaning, um, and we had been wanting to learn it, and, you know, something always gets in the way, but um, the, the one of the verses that I really like in that psalm, it says, um, one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. And uh, I'm thankful that uh, wherever we go, that God is with us, and um, he is our home. He's our, we have his house that we can come to. How lovely are your dwelling places. Your Holy Spirit here with us. Oh, how I love to sing your praises. One day with you would be enough. 
If all this world was for the taking And every treasure known was mine Not one of them could ever sway me I'd choose my Savior every time When I bow down before you I am richer than all kings When I stand in your presence I am free When I see you're here in my soul you're an oasis in the desert living water overflow wherever i go i'm home because you're here in my soul you're an oasis in the desert living water overflow when
Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his holy sight, he will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost. Promises shall last, bought by him at such a cost, he will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He Turn with me, if you would, into your Bibles to the book of Joel, Joel chapter 1. Man, Harry, come over to give me a high five.
We have a God that knows how to take care of us. Amen. And uh, what he's done, he has done purposely and perfectly. I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor hell, nor principalities nor powers nor things come, nor present, future, or anything shall separate us from the love that is in Jesus. Wow. Thank you guys for singing that song. And uh, as we go to the book of Joel tonight, it's good to remember, isn't it? Even though we're unfaithful, he is faithful. And we come to these minor prophets, and uh, they're not that minor when you start reading them. Amen? And they deal with uh, our inconsistencies. They deal with us as human beings and just all that we are. But God knows exactly who we are, doesn't he? He does. And uh, he still has provided so much for us. Let's take a look here at Joel chapter 1. I'm going to read down through verse number 14. And I want to, Joel 1, verse 1 through 14. And I am going to kind of focus on those 14 verses. I've been going at it very broadly, which we did, but tonight I'm just going to stay right here and look at something in each of those. And we're going to look at Joel as a prophet. We said that Joel the other night was a student of the Word of God, a man of the book, someone that I uh, admire. And when I think about that, I want to be that. I want to be someone uh, that knows... And, and when I say that, I hope that you take that the right way. I'm not saying that I want to be the guy that you can come and ask and you've got all the answers. That's not what I want to say. Because if you ask me stuff, I hope that I'm honest enough to tell you, I don't really, somebody was asking me about some uh, end time stuff, and I was just like, I'll just be honest, that's not my wheelhouse. I have not even made it to the book of Revelation to honestly study it, except in Bible college, and it's just not my wheelhouse. But I do want to know how to handle the Word of God when it comes to the passage that we are familiar with, what He guides us to. And I want it to be a part of my life so much that it's what I speak of, that it's the things that come to my mind is not the philosophies of this world and not the ideas of how, but the Word of God might bring us and bring us to a place where we can uh, grow every day because it's what we need every day. Anyway. So we talked about that, a student of the Word of God. Tonight we're going to talk about him as a prophet. He is a prophet, which means he has a word from the Lord. And so we start in verse number one. The word of the Lord. There it is. That's what qualifies him as a prophet. The word of the Lord that came to Joel. He received it. Son of Pethuel. Hear this, ye old men, and give ear all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children another generation. That which the palmer worm hath left hath the locust eaten. And that which the locust hath left hath the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left hath the caterpillar eaten. Awake ye drunkards and weep. And how, all ye drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. 
For a nation is come up upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. He hath laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree. He hath made it clean bare and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests, the Lord's ministers, mourn. The field is wasted, the land mourneth. For the corn is wasted, the new wine is dried up, the oil languisheth. Be ye ashamed, O ye husbandmen. Howl, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. The vine is dried up and the fig tree languisheth. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are withered because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Gird yourselves and lament ye priests, how ye ministers of the altar. Come lie all night in sackcloth, ye ministers of my God, for the meat offering and the drink offering is withholden from the house of your God. Sanctify ye a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry unto the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity again to open up the Word of God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that came and met with us tonight already and moved in our hearts. Dear God, we're thankful that the truth of the Word of God given to us in song stirs our hearts with who you are and with the characteristics of who you are. Dear God, your ability to keep everything that you win. You do not lose a battle. You do not start something that you do not finish. Dear God, you are amazing in all your ways. Dear God, it is, a, it is amazing to just dwell on these things, these doctrines of the faith, that when we come and we look at them, dear God, we just love a song that's rich with the doctrine of the salvation of God and the perseverance of God towards the saints. God, you have, you have known us from our mother's womb. You have called us out, saved us by your miraculous grace, every bit of it being by your mercy. That that you have started in us. The Apostle Paul says, just like he's persuaded of your love, he is persuaded that you will finish that which you have started. Dear God, we love you, praise you. Dear God, as we look at your truth tonight, let it sink down into our heart just as deeply let it be as real. Dear God, we pray that you'd use it in a mighty way. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. As I said, I want to look at Joel as the prophet. So as we go through this and we look at these first 14 verses here, we see that number one, and I'm just going to kind of go through these a little bit, in verses 1, 2, and 3, Joel gives an outline of what he's going to talk about. And he's going to give an outline of it as, as, as far as this, and I'm going to talk about it, as is the, the magnitude of the event and also kind of what should be done with it. And then as he goes through the rest, he is describing uh, this, we already talked about it, this disaster that's taken place in the land, a literal, real, physical, natural disaster that's taken place that he points to them out as it has happened. 
he likens it to a few things, and then he calls them to repentance in different ways throughout it. And we're going to look at that. It's very poetic. And as we already mentioned before, I want you to remember that, that because he is talking about poetry, because he is talking it that way, he is wanting you uh, to think about things in your own life uh, and to make that comparison. He's wanting you to, to empathize or however you want to put it with something so that he can help you to feel the right things towards God so that he can stir your heart towards God. Because you remember at the end of the day, all of this is about God having our heart, right? Not about going through the motions, not about just doing it, but that God would honestly have our hearts and have our hearts set on him. That's the, that's the hardest thing about all of it. That's why it takes language like poetry. That's why I believe music is so important as a part of it. Because if it were just about the rules, then the Ten Commandments would have sufficed. But the problem is, if the Ten Commandments sufficed, we're all in big trouble, right? Amen. And so with that, he wants to see where your heart is and know where your heart. And he wants a man like David after God's own heart. A man who is seeking him, who is not without his failures, right? He's got plenty of them. But he is a man that desires to know God and love God. And he is a man. Anyway, we will see those things. He goes through and he describes a few things. And we're going to look at those tonight. We're going to kind of label them as we go through. But my introduction will run right along with his introduction. And as we go into verses 1, 2, and 3, we're going to see that he says to them, listen, listen to what he puts in verse number 2. Hear this, ye old men, and give ear all ye inhabitants of the land. So listen, he says, everybody needs to listen to what I'm going to say. And then he says this, it's a question. Hath this been in your days or even in the days of your father? What's he saying? He's basically saying this. This is a big deal. What just happened is a big deal. Okay? He says, has it ever been like this? These are those words that sometimes we dread. Has it ever been this bad? Has it ever been like this in the days when I was, you know, back in my father's day? It wasn't like this. Back in my day, it wasn't like that. And he's asking that question simply right there. He's like, look, what is going on right now is honestly and genuinely a big deal. The first thing that I want us to put as we introduce this and we see it is it is important for us to also have a proper recognition of the magnitude of the events that are going on around us. Okay? And what I mean by that is we need to know what things to focus on and what things not to focus on, because that's also difficult as well. We need to understand if something that's going on is of great importance. Does it have biblical significance? Is it something that we need to look to because it's pointing us towards God to get our attention, to bring us back? And I believe God can use lots of those things. Or is it something that is not that important? Because let's just face it. Sometimes we major on the minor things, right? And minor on the major things. And so it's good for us to look at what's going on around us and be able to have the proper perspective on them. When we look at the things that are going on in our church, it's good to have the proper perspective on them. When we look at what's going on in our family and the things that we emphasize 
in our family, it's good to have the proper perspective on them. It's going to be different for each family. But the ultimate goal as we're trying to minister to our families should be the same as God. It should be that we would help them fall in love with Jesus Christ, not just rule the house with an iron fist, right? And teach them all the rules and show them what to do. No, we want them to fall in love with Jesus Christ as well. We want them to know our Savior. So we need to look at the magnitude of the events. We need to know, is this a big deal? Or is this a small... And then the second one, and again, it goes right along with our family as it would for them as well. But the second one is in verse number three, and that's what we would call generational learning. Notice what he says. Tell it of... Tell it... Tell ye your children of it. He said, this is a big deal, and you need to tell your kids about it. Your kids need to tell their kids about it. And their kids need to tell the next generation. There's some things that are so important that they need to be passed down from generation to generation. They really are. They're that important. Not only are they that 